And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Are you ready for your operation today? Uh, it's just some general maintenance. You know, I'm getting tuned up a little bit. As I've gotten a little older, you need to kind of oil the joints up a little bit, you know, tuck the tummy, <laughs> sand, out, sand out the wrinkles. <laughs> Wait, are, 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 we, are, we ta- are we talking about <laughs> operations and maintenance of software as in like episode eight of eight of our software development lifecycle series? Are we talking about the operations and maintenance part of becoming an old man? Uh, we're just trying to keep you actually working. <laughs> it's a whole nother series, brother. That is a whole nother series. Well, Matt, here we are. It's eight of eight. We've gone through another series. You know, this one was nowhere near the 52 part series that we did, which was now almost, man, we started that one a year and a half ago. That's How so time crazy. Flies. How time flies. But with, Time flying, you're guaranteed to have now you've made it a little bit further down the road. You're no longer in the minimally lovable product category and you want to move forward with your software platform. You have some users, you figured out how to do it all, and it's time to deal with the operations and maintenance. Before we get too far into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Matt, here we are. It's post-deployment. So what we talked about last week, and we weren't talking about sending me to Abu Dhabi. We we're talking about moving, moving the server stuff on the left to the server stuff on the right. That's the, what I gathered from last episode. Um, That's an easy now, way to look at it. Yeah. Operations and maintenance though. This is, you know, look, this isn't, this doesn't sound sexy, but if you mess this up, it could be game over. Well, so the problem with software is it just doesn't always work all the time. <laughs> and just, not, if it's built well, it should never break, right? Uh, not no. true. Not true. Don't tell yourself that. Software breaks for a lot of different reasons that you cannot control. So I had we had a problem last week um, at my company where customers' website would work fine, and then randomly when you'd go to it, it wouldn't work. It, it would like part of it would load and part of it wouldn't. And of course, they would report the issue, and then when I would go to check it, like oh, it works just fine. And then you check it again the next day, and then it would work. And then the next day it would work. And like nobody could pinpoint like why doesn't this? Does it work? Does it not work? Like no, like nobody can reproduce the issue. And the thing is for software, whenever you have your software deployed, you need some form of monitoring for it. So that instead of going off of this like gut feeling and like, well, Matt tested it and the other Matt tested it and whoever tested it and it worked or didn't work, like you need something that like test it for you 
and test it, you know, every minute and maybe across, you know, even from different parts of the country or world and all that kind of stuff so that you just don't run off your gut feelings, right? And so there's all kinds of application monitoring tools that existed. The last company I had, Stackfy, that's what we did. We created applications. Just say, haven't you built a couple of those? We have. And, hmm. and, and so the way I solved this problem last week is, is I set up a, a synthetic monitoring check. So it just tried, basically all it did is I put in the URL, the website address for, for this web page. And once a minute, it would try to load this page. Well, so then after, you know, an hour goes by, I can go and look at the chart and see, okay, is it, is it working or is it slow? Like what is going on? And what you'll find funny is a pattern emerged. Every 15 minutes, it was slow for like two to three minutes. And then the rest of the time, it was I know funny. why. I know why. You had a bunch of piled up repetitive tasks all scheduled on the 15. Yes. <laughs> and so inevitably that makes done you, that one before. So I immediately have to go to the develop <laughs> the rest of the development team. I'm like, what in the hell is running every 15 minutes? Exactly 15 yep. minutes. What the hell is going on? Right. So then, you know, you start going to AWS and looking at logs and the database logs and say, Oh, you should have okay. just called me, dude. You should have yeah. just called me. Yeah. And but with but the point is without this tool, it was really difficult to know. And so when you start at the very high level, the best thing you can do, everybody should have some kind of SLA, you know, service level um, agreement of uptime, you know, 99.9% of the time, you know, whatever our software is going to work and all that kind of stuff. And the new things these days is people also have what they call service level objectives, SLOs, which it's not about, it's not always about uptime, right? Like you take something like Gigabook as an example. It's like, oh, our website's up. The app is up. So it's available, but the issue is like the calendar sync on the back end doesn't work. Like you need like an SLA or like an SLO for different parts of the system that do different things. And anyways, you want to get real complicated with it. You know, there's all sorts of stuff you could do there. But the key is in using something like Gigabook as an example, you've got to monitor all those different pieces, right? Like how often do we do the calendar sync? Is it working? Is it not working? Like we've got to be able to monitor all the different moving pieces so we have some S, you know, SLA type stuff that we can track because inevitably things just don't work. Like the example I gave earlier, it didn't work because something every 15 minutes was trying to delete data out of the database that we didn't even use anyways. It was just some logging data. It was some bullshit we didn't even need. But Which the fact if that, that we- would occur 11 minutes after, after the hour and, and 26 minutes after the hour or something like that wouldn't have caused the problem. It was actually building Gigabook that made me guess exactly what your problem was because it, it scheduling things work on the zeros, the 15s, yeah. the 30s. Like a, there's just a natural time for it people to deadlock. pick things. So we had all these reminders, notifications, everything. And then what had happened is it was actually wasn't even us. Our server had, and database actually was performing a backup. Yeah, did a little backup yeah. every 15 minutes or something like that, which which what it did was locked the database while yes. it did the backup, which only took like 30 seconds or a minute. But, you know, because we're sitting there going, why can't we get this damn reminder to send it 15 or 30 minutes? Because it would come at, at 1216 or 1231. And you're like, what? And these things will drive you crazy. Yeah. But when you're working with things that and timing matters, you can't, you don't want to be late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, and, and, these, and these are the problems, right? Like everything can work perfect, 
we deployed our app, you know, a month ago. We've made no changes to it. Everything works perfect. And all of a sudden it doesn't. And there's a lot of different reasons that these things go wrong. And the example I gave was like a database was full of too much yeah. data. And when it was trying to delete it, it was timing out. And, and you gave some other examples. But it could also be like, oh, AWS did this thing and we have to upgrade versions or AWS is having a problem or some third party that we rely on. It doesn't work. You know, we like a gigabook, you know, we used, you know, different APIs for calendars and, and running credit cards, like all these things, any of those could break at any time. And the great thing about the cloud is it makes it easy to deploy apps and, and do all the things that we do, but they also add a lot of points of failure. So you have all these different little apps to connect to all these different little things and anytime any of those could break. And that's why it's important to have some basic monitoring, even if it's the simplest monitoring, to at least have a starting point to know, like, do the most important things about your software, do they work or not work? And then you can dig deeper if there's a problem. Well, those two examples, the, you know, the examples that we just mentioned are operations and maintenance at that point. Because part of operations when you're running a software platform is making, the, the soft, making sure the software platform is operating. Yep. And now the, you mentioned the thing, it's like, you know, all right, so I'm chuckling and, and I, and I made the buzzer sound for, okay, look, even the, even the best constructed and, and most meticulously engineered software is still going to break. Cause the thing is, is the, and I mentioned things that you can't control because I've had so many people say that to me. They're like, cause a big red flag when people will, will meet with people about providing services and building them software teams at full scale is how much will it cost to build and how long will it take? And to me, that's a rookie question. That is a rookie question all day because software's never done. If you're gonna be a, if you're gonna own a software company or product, you need to be able to maintain it and support it. And, and people will say, well, if it's built well, it shouldn't break. There's the things you can't control is, is you have, you, you've been mentioning Azure a lot when they make major updates to that, to those servers. I mean, that can happen and that can break little things. Let's look at, all right. So Gigabook is in PHP, which has different versions that move yeah. up the line. And either if, if you want to have something that is very exploitable, that's four versions old, Go for Security. it. You might Security feel like it's not broken, it. but you're never going to know because when you go to like PHP to version seven to eight was a big thing and broke a lot of stuff. Let's also talk about uh, when Apple made major security uh, updates and they launched iOS 14, it, le it legit broke half of the app store. Okay, so if you didn't have a developer on hand, you weren't able to maintain it. These aren't things that were a product of poor software build. You know, right? and you, same you know thing with Chrome. Chrome changes yeah. something in their browser; it could break so, your user interface. You, you, you bringing up Apple remind me of something. The the thing that I swear breaks more applicate more software applications than anything else combined is SSL certificates expiring. Yes, and that oh. is a maintenance, and that is just a maintenance thing. It's like every year it. you have to renew the certificates, and you yeah. can thank Apple partly for this because they made the change like a year or two ago where Safari would only work with certificates that were like less than 12 months old or whatever. So now you have to change certificates even more often. So instead of changing them like every three years, now you got to do it every year. Now, the good news is a lot of it has become more automated. There are ways to automate the certificate stuff on Azure and AWS and whatever. And there's this thing called Let's Encrypt. And um, But that alone, like talking about operations and maintenance, is just renewing a damn SSL certificate 
has taken down so many websites and taken down so many of my own applications over the past because people just overlook it. And next thing you know, just everything's down. You're like, oh shit, it's the most simplest thing in the world that took it down. Well, okay, let's, you want to talk about funny fuck ups. The Dallas Cowboys several years ago had to buy their domain back from someone <laughs> because not, I mean, not only had it expired, it had like truly expired. So they when renew their domain say, name, GoDaddy does yeah. your registration and they do it for 12 months, they actually do it for 13 months and, and 12 is there cause they know you're going to forget about it and they're giving you a month to figure it out. And then they actually like release it. So someone had just paid like, I don't know. I can only imagine what that person's day was like when they just got that automated email, like, congratulations, you're now the owner of DallasCowboys.com or whatever. And, you know, like, and I mean, is that, a, is that a, a great business to be in buying expired domains like that? But you talk about just little goofy things. These are operations yeah. and maintenance. Yes. And be, like, and with that, everything, everything yes. went away. And yep. yeah, I, th I couldn't remember. I th think they paid that guy like, he was actually a Cowboys fan, so I think he, they, he only charged him about fifty grand. Well, and a lot of a lot of application problems can come from just unforeseen things where you sign up a customer that all of a sudden has different requirements or use you know uses than your other customers. So, for example, at Stackify, we did a lot of stuff with logging data, and a lot of customers would send like five or ten gigabytes of logs a month. It wasn't a lot of data, and all of a sudden we sign up somebody who sends like that many an hour. And like yeah. could send a terabyte of, of logs an hour. Well, then like things just didn't perform as well and things would get slow and time out and not work. And it was all because they were just sending us profoundly more data than the other clients. And it'd be no different. Like you take an application like Gigabook that has like scheduling and stuff. Seems pretty simple. But then all of a sudden if somebody's like, well, we have a thousand users and we need to show all of their calendars on the same page at one time. Like the software would probably puke. Like it just could not handle it at some point because it wasn't designed for like well, that level point. of data. We went through that. We yeah. went through that. And it was, and you talk about maintenance and maintenance is, is also kind of optimization yeah. in some regards. And so the, the, what Matt's mentioning is this is scalability issues that we're hoping you have at some point, because it means that you're driving users and people are, are using what you built in most cases. I don't, I don't look at these kind of things as like, bad like terrible problems to be faced with because the opposite is just no one's using it and you don't have yeah. any load capacity to deal with but in these particular situations you talk about knowing and understanding what you've built and how it operates and uh you know so you talk about the calendars and calendars are going to pull the information that you'll see on any calendar whether it's gigabook or google that information is in a database somewhere and and a, and a well-maintained and optimized site will just go get the pieces that it knows it needs for the calendar. And instead, in a, in, a, in a very early version of that, it was looking through the entire database. So all of a sudden you get more users, you get more people turning pages, more people looking at calendars, and you talk about the software puking. Well, that's what happens when you run. Like if I had to sprint even just a quarter mile, Matt, I'd throw up afterward because I'm not in really good shape for that, you know, and, but that's the thing is like, are you able to handle whatever comes up? And also things with maintenance as well is like, um, I think security is a big security thing, is a big and, one. you know, security, security needs and, um, what was it called? GDP? What is it? The 
GDPR, that, that's a different yes. like data privacy kind of thing. Separate but that from was like, a, that was still, that's maintenance and operations. It is. Yeah. It's like we had to do a whole bunch of work to be in compliance. Yes. You know, and um, these things change and, you, and you, you, depending on what business you're in, like if you're in anything that has to deal with sensitive data, then these are things you need to get pretty good at. And security, security is a really big one. And the problem is, as of today, there are probably hundreds or thousands of exploitable security yeah. things in Windows and Linux, Linux and browsers, whatever. And the thing is, either we know about them or we don't know about them. And a year or two, we'll know about several of them. They'll be found or like the CIA has known them forever and used them to exploit things. But then finally, somebody in the wild found out they exist or whatever, right? The problem is like the code we shipped two years ago had that exploit in it. And so now we've got to run around and to keep updating things for these bugs that have probably been around for a long time, but nobody knew they existed. Right. And it's a lot of work and you, you get these um, high profile companies that get exploited by these things. And that's because they're using like some old version of Java and they find out there's this exploit in struts, which is some API thing that the old Java apps used. So it's like, as soon as you find that, you have to run around and update the version of Java for all this but as you mentioned earlier, upgrade, updating the version may not be as simple as just like, you know, a Windows update on your computer and you reboot it. it. It could be like, hey, we had to do like this major code change and spent weeks or months updating the version of PHP <laughs> because the new version also had all this other crap in it that I didn't care about. But to get the security fixes, I had to update all of it to get all this stuff, right? It can be huge projects and, and updates, just updating all your JavaScript frameworks and your server libraries and your operating system and all this stuff, just to keep up with security stuff, you know, on a quarterly basis, annual basis. Well, that, and that's operational and maintenance planning. Now, I remember at the time when GDPR came out and that was when we shared offices. So I was at the Stackify office with you and man, did that thing, that whole all that stuff dragged your other shit into the gutter, meaning like from a, from a planning standpoint, because it overwhelmed all of the other stuff that you really needed and wanted to do. And where operations and maintenance could really be important there is if you, you're looking at something like GDPR, where you've got to do this insane amount of updating and other stuff. And if you're promising that you're delivering something else on the other side, uh, you might you might find that you fail at both sides of things, end up really non-compliant, and have disappointed customers and everything. So that's why I said, like in the very beginning of the episode, if you fail at this part of of the life cycle, it can really mean it can mean it can be a lot of trouble. And I think one of the things that that is also a key component of that is learning how to understand what's a priority and what is not. Yeah, and, and so how, how many non-priority things have people pitched you as like this is what we've got to do? Actually, you mentioned that earlier. Like, hey, look, it, internal tools that only you and your team sees don't always have to be pretty to be effective. So, you know, when I just started working at the place I'm working at now, um, Camp Digital, the the first project that they were working on or they were concerned about when he started was upgrading a version of angular because they were worried about, okay, it's old, it's deprecated as these security issues, but then come to find out, yeah, it was in an internal app that literally nobody used like two people a day use this thing. I'm like, why do we care? Like 
it's not like we have consumers that can access this and somehow exploit this system or whatever. Like they can even log into it. And that is always the challenge with software development. And we did a whole episode about this around planning and stuff is trying to weigh out what are the most, you know, highest priorities. And inevitably there are always maintenance things and operational things that are important that take time that come back into the planning phase of like, Hey, yeah, we have to do this work for SOC 2 compliance or AWS is no longer going to support this thing. So we have to rewrite this other thing or whatever. And we have to upgrade versions of PHP or Ruby or .NET or whatever it is. There's always work that comes out of maintenance that is not necessarily planned work. It's not like, hey, we're going to ship this new feature for a client. It's just like homework and shit we have to do just to stay in business, just to keep the the, the machine running right? How do we keep DeCourcy alive and running? He's like Darth Vader, you know, we, we, we keep me. Yeah. We, Why do people always compare me to Darth Vader? You know, <laughs> like it's true, man. Like, do you know how many Darth Vader toys and like models yeah, respirator and, like, and all your freaking employees gave me like running, a real man. Darth Vader head for Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, now, okay. In Darth Vader's defense. Now he didn't always do the right thing. He had some anger problems. He'd sometimes choke people with that air choke thing. But he was running a pretty successful franchise. The Empire, seemed to, the Empire <laughs> seemed to be run fairly well, other than some minor flaws with minor skirmishes. CEO, the Emperor. You know, I mean, <laughs> just saying. Just but saying. I just think he was misunderstood. Is my he's point. misunderstood. So, there's all there's always a lot of maintenance to keep these things working. I still don't understand what the empire actually did. What was the revenue driver there? Was it just like Taxes. general suppression and just like just like taking over everything, like something no, you have to pay for the death star. I think star it's like our world today. It. It, it's, it's harvesting what? oil and selling oil, except back then it was harvest. It, it's harvesting something else in the movies. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, what What is it? Kyber crystals. There you go. That was there the you future. Go. That's what powers a lightsaber, right? And and a, right. and a lot of other things, apparently. Yep. Seems like a good time to mention that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io and not Kyber Crystals. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. You know what? Just to really cause controversy, Star Wars is so much better than Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get tagged and tweeted or something on that one. If so, you're still listening to this thrilling episode about software operations and maintenance, know that my I don't always like to throw controversial shit out there, but Star Wars greater than Harry Potter. Well, my so wife, I'm going to recommend... My wife would punch me in the head if she heard me say that. I'm going to recommend anybody who's listening to this, if you have some kind of software that's in production, you need some form of basic application monitoring. And it can yeah. be as simple as like a ping... You know, you've heard of like Pingdom or some kind of check where you just put in like your website address and like, no, does like your homepage load, does the login page to your software load? Like you at least have that, like at a bare minimum. But if you have an application that's revenue generating, that's important to your business, you need more than that. You should use something like Stackify, like my old company or Datadog or New Relic, AppDynamics. There's all these companies that do this kind of stuff. They're, they're APM or application performance monitoring tools. That can help you know, we talked about KPIs and stuff in this episode, in the previous episode of knowing, you know, how many people are logging into the software? How is it performing? What kind of errors are happening in the software so I can find those errors and fix them? Um, 
all of those sort of things, database performance, server performance, all this kind of stuff. So you can keep an eye and know if, if things are working. And the problem is that the bigger your system gets, the more applications that you have, the more different kinds of users you have, all this stuff gets more and more complicated. And a lot of software problems are not as simple as like the system is up or down. It's like, oh, when this specific user logs in and does this specific thing, it doesn't work. And it's because, well, the they tried to put in a field that was too long or this database field is null or like whatever dumb thing it is, it's causing problems, but it only happens to them. It doesn't happen to everybody. So it makes it really hard to find those needles in a haystack. And at at Stackify, we, we had like 20 or 30 different applications and we monitored all of them very closely, but we would get hundreds of errors a day. And a lot of them were just noise, like random database timeout or random this or random that. And some of it is just noise. It's just part of just the operations of apps. They randomly get errors. But if you can't see those errors and you can't see those problems, you can't go through them and figure out which ones are important and which ones aren't and figure out which ones to fix and put that back into your planning of like, okay, in our next sprint and our next work that we're going to do, we got to spend a few minutes to figure out how to fix these problems because it, it requires constant care and feeding to keep these systems going. You know, there's something that's not on my, the, the production team didn't add in here for me, but I, the, from my own experience, when I think of operations and maintenance, like this is the part of the, of the, of the development process where I, I think it's absolutely crucial to approach your users and ask them what, what, what are we doing right? What are we not doing right? What, we, what could we do better? And, you know, from a maintenance standpoint and operations, like, remember, that's why you built it. That's why you built it. They're the ones that are the most important. And, you know, when it comes to, like, your setting priorities and everything like that, you know, you want to listen to the, to the people that use it. Now, the caveat with that is, as Matt, Matt, Matt just described, like a really weird one-off kind of situation, those aren't always urgent. In fact, most of the time they're not. You've got one person that does some weird combo yeah. of shit. And, 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 and that's the things I think you also want to look out for is you can chase that stuff down the rabbit hole for like a thousand years. You can. Um, yep. You can. Yeah. Yep. And, and just trying to determine like, you know, the things that should be a priority are the things that affect the broader base of users, the core functionality of what you've built, as well as what anything that will help bring or keep users in the system. So, and when you do have problems, you have to figure out how to tell your customers about the problems. So from an operations and maintenance standpoint, we talked about SLAs earlier, having some kind of service level availability that you track. But something else that's really common these days that I recommend, again, if you've got a revenue generating product and it's important and you have customers and all that kind of stuff, is setting up a status page. So status pages are really common these days. Um, there's like statuspage.io, which is owned by Atlassian, the same people that have Jira. It's like starts at $30 a month. And basically you create a little page that you can post on there, like when you're going to do deployments or when you had outages and all that kind of stuff. And your customers can sign up to receive notifications if your system goes down or any of that kind of stuff. So if you are having problems, which we all do from time to time, you can use your status page as a way to alert your customers that you're having issues and having a history of it, of knowing, okay, on this date in June, whatever, we had this problem. Um, and you can also put on there things like your SLA numbers and all that kind of stuff. And 
it also helps your customers can see like, oh, they don't have any issues. Like they have their uptimes 99.9%, whatever. Um, so status pages are another great thing to have. I know this is not exciting and it's not sexy, but it's part of the operation stuff that is very, very functional and useful. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, there's, there's this, this topic could go on and on and on. I mean, we could go down 10 million different rabbit holes. I mean, it, now one of the things when it comes, you, you're talking about like service level agreements and stuff. And I, I want to head on one, one thing that I saw, you know, I got to, to be involved with Stackify's growth because of its relationship with FullScale. And I swear, man, when you added site reliability engineers, SRE, people mm -hmm. that focused on that kind of operations and maintenance, I my conversations with the people that worked locally in that office, their tone changed so dramatically and so quickly because there was someone there to kind of support and get their back on the maintenance side of things. Another thing for, that I thought that, so at the time, you guys were all like an eight to five, nine to five kind of operation, but you had users in 60 different countries, which meant someone was really in there in the weeds on the platform 24 hours a day. So what was happening, especially when it was in its earlier phases and things were growing and you're figuring a lot of stuff out is your people were getting to work in the morning and there would there was a stack of tickets. So like you're having to like, or inquiries or whatever. Yeah. And you talk about having people working in some different uh, uh, time zones or like different shifts rather than, than the your local engineering team coming to work every day and being like, damn it, here's these tickets I got to deal with. Well, they I was were up all night. To, yeah. Potentially to solutions rather than problems, which from an operational standpoint, and a morale standpoint, and also like your users are getting responses quicker, at least it was like someone is home. So when it comes to like operations and maintenance of stuff, like I'm telling you, people understand that you can't always fix their problems instantly. But one thing you can do instantly or close to is acknowledge that you have received the problem and that, you know, like, th so that whole thing is from, and this is operations and maintenance in some regards. Yeah. Now, if you're an early stage startup, you just built that minimally lovable product. You don't have the budget or need for a site reliability engineer, but if you are a more sophisticated organization or you have the resources for it, these things really kind of matter. And then I, you know, it's one of the, that's a part of the advice that I give a lot of people at full scale that have companies that already have a big engineering team is putting some people on an opposing schedule. So you kind of begin to operate and maintain things, find problems and solve them in, in more of a 24 hour cycle. Absolutely. And you bring up a great subject we haven't talked about from an operations perspective, which is the on-call part of it, right? So if yeah. you're a software developer, pretty much your whole career, you've you've probably been on call or, or your coworkers have been on call or you take turns being on call, right? It's like, so Saturday evening, if a server goes down, like who's going to deal with it, right? Like that whole part of it, like we could probably have a whole episode about on-call and best practices of on-call. Yeah. But nobody wants to be on call and nobody wants to yeah. deal with it. And you're absolutely right. Having develop, having employees that work all different time zones and all that helps a lot. Because it's like, hey, I can sleep at night because at least I know, yeah. you know, the and team. The and the that was the key, the sleep at night. Because before yeah. that, I'd, I'd occasionally get there and we'd be like, so-and-so isn't going to be in today because they had to get up at one in the morning and fix something. 
Yeah. yeah. And it that's a reality, right? The bigger yeah. you get, you know, the bigger your system gets, it happens, right? Some things happen, system goes down, and somebody's got to figure out what it is. And again, we talked in our last episode about deployment pipelines, and we talked about monitoring, all these things. Having this stuff in a place where like a lot of people can go in and click buttons and redeploy code and do this and do that, restart things, makes it easier for on-call so they can remedy, you know, and, and resolve things. At least you know, patch it up. So you have to wait for somebody else to come in in the morning, but at least keep the machine running until somebody else comes in. I'd still think one of the key pieces of that is just acknowledging to the person reporting the issue they have it, that you acknowledge it, not just yeah, we know put this something is in and then like two days later, it's like, oh, hi, thanks for letting us know about this. Like even just yeah. a simple reply. Now, Matt, you know, we mentioned hiring people and having people that work 24 hours a day. Uh, the teams at full scale are on 24 hours a day for different clients. We always have someone working somewhere. And if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let, let full scale help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions. Let the platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Full Scale, we specialize in building long-term teams that only work for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. And I actually want to roll from that last line into this thing. Hey, look, having, having long, a long-term outlook on what you're building with your software and your business is really important, whether you're using Full Scale or someone else. Having people that understand your platform, it, I think, makes the, the maintenance, like, it, like, keep your team intact. Don't have this short-term outlook on who's working at it because the people that built it are usually the people that can fix it the fastest yeah, most of the time. It, with anything to do with software development, there's always a lot of tribal knowledge, right? Yep. So people have worked on the project for a long time. They understand the intricacies about how different things work. And yeah, if, if people keep coming and going and or you let everybody go and like then you hire somebody new, like they just don't understand. The tribal knowledge is gone. And that yep. tribal knowledge is really, really important when it comes to software development. Well, and that's why you don't have that short-term outlook when it comes to your team, you know, and, yeah. and, and some of that I get a lot. I talk to, a, I just talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, I only need help for a couple of months. I'm like, well, what then? They're like, well, if something breaks, then we'll get someone to fix it. Yeah. That's not how, so that's not how software platforms work, people. And you don't call really it the random, approach. like, it's yeah. not like calling yeah. a plumber to come in and fix your drain issue. Like, well, they don't I mean, just could, walk in and understand what to fix. I mean, they, they, they might on some levels, that's pretty straightforward. But the thing is, is like, if, you know, there is, there's a lot to be said about knowing, knowing where, knowing where to hit it with the hammer. Yeah. Just that simple. Yeah. yeah for a plumber, so, they could come figure it out. But for a software developer, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how any of this shit yep. works. Yep. Well, Matt, I think we have maintained the series quite well during this episode and congratulations I, on a successful deployment and operation and maintenance. This is the conclusion of our series. Um, you know, I like doing series. I'm, I'm enjoying the series. I think we'll have we to figure out our next series. One. Now I think we need to give away some money to people that want to build software. <laughs> yes. I like Maybe. that idea. Let's, let's let like them follow idea. the model of the 52 part series. And, and this series. And, you know, if you want to go back and capture this whole series, it came out once a week. There's a link in the show notes that'll help you get to all of them faster. We're doing our best to maintain and, uh, and operate 
our massive list of episodes. Got episode 1000 coming up this year, man. What are we going to do? Oh, we're selling out of the stadium still, right? Yeah, totally. Sounds like <laughs> a lot of work. Sounds like a lot of work. So I got to go, man. I'm going to get working on that. I'll see you down the road. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.